0: All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today once again, as always in the blockhouse with Kelly. How's it going Kelly uh
1: it's it's good. that was a very um anxiety filled little intro mm. like i was I was on edge. You didn't know if you were actually here or not filled with anticipation.
0: Well, we're at the end of November. Band month is ending just now. Thank you you know it, yeah, it's been a long band month. uh we have only one more episode after this one. So stay tuned. We're going to get to our final uh, pick at the end of this episode for season two. And then we'll That's we'll talk. not
1: real. What do you that's mean? That's not really the last one. What do you mean?
0: It's definitely the last one. What's the last
1: we're, song we're picking?
0: Yeah, we're picking. Yeah. And then we're going to do our last episode next week. No, because there's more after that. Of course there is. But that's a surprise. Oh.
1: Why is it a surprise? We did it last year.
0: It's true. Okay, fine. We Get have a... something to look forward to. Wow, well, we have a everybody's looking forward to Christmas. Are
1: they? Yeah,
0: I don't know. Are you? <laughs> if you are, we do a Christmas special. It's
1: a very uncertain beginning to an episode. <laughs>
0: yeah, you really threw me for a loop. I thought for sure we were only doing seventy-five episodes. Either way, Kelly, we are here. Uh, if you didn't already know, this is a Bob Dylan podcast. That's right. We talk about Bob Dylan. We pick a song at random, and then we listen to it. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the bus route that runs from Halewood to Liverpool Town Center in Merseyside, England. Hmm. And this week, we listened to a song we had just listened to only, what now, 24 episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Tombstone Blues off of Highway 61 Revisited. The ghost of Bell Star, she hands
2: down her wits. Jezebel and nun, she violently knits. A bald wig for Jack the Ripper, who sits at the head of the Chamber of Commerce. Mama's in a factory, she ain't got no shoes. Daddy's in the alley, he's looking for food. I'm in the kitchen where the tombstone blues. Alright
0: Kelly, so we spent the entire week listening to Tombstone Blues. Uh, this was definitely a standout track, not only of our listen on Highway 61 for you, but you've referenced it like six or seven times on this fucking show at this point. I, think I you have, keep yeah. thinking it's this song, <laughs> but it's not. So it must have been quite a trip, Kelly, for you to now have Tombstone Blues. So just uh, because we kind of went over it before, you can go listen to episode 50 for our entire Highway 61 listen. But uh, expanding upon that, how do you feel spending an entire week with this?
1: I listened to it a lot. I listened to a lot of versions we had a lot of versions, <laughs> yeah.
0: some of them unfortunate, and some of them pretty great
1: uh, it's really good, it's got a lot of energy. I think this song has more movement than a lot of his other songs, so that's fun, so it's I like the energy a lot, and uh, yeah, the guitar man the it just really hooks you into me like yeah. bam, bam bam, bam
0: that's Bloomfield man, that's it. Great. yeah, he's fantastic, yeah, the song was recorded right after Rolling stone, so uh highway sixty one is sort of almost like a road map of um well, selling road maps to the old folks Uh so anyways this is like a roadmap of Bob Dylan's soul so he uh, went from Rolling Stone and that was just a single Uh, he you know hadn't really thought that far ahead but the success of that song basically prompted like we gotta get back in the studio we gotta do this so this was the next one recorded directly after and the next song after this to be recorded was Desolation Row and I think The similarities between those are pretty obvious. There's it's a long song. There's a lot of verses and a whole fuck ton of characters. Mm. And I think Bob Dylan was definitely on that. Uh, The the version that we listened to, in a sense, was recorded on July 29th, 1965. Uh, I think it was like 12 takes or something like that. We're going to talk about that from the cutting edge uh, and then a couple of overdubs and things like that uh, starting uh, uh, in August of 1965. For all the sessions that we listened to, uh it was Mike Bloomfield on guitar, of course, Paul Griffin, our hero from One of Us Must Know sooner or later. Uh, last week, Paul Paul Griffin on piano, Bobby Gregg, of course, on the drums, uh, Joe Macho Jr. on the bass. We hear some calls out to Joe. Never forget Joe and your bass. Uh, <laughs> and Al Cooper, of course, on the organ. This is, uh, according to Rolling Stone, the number 88 best Bob Dylan song. Quote, Dylan claimed this breakneck Jeremiah against violence-gorged American political culture was influenced by conversations that he heard at a bar that was frequented by police officers. This is Bob Dylan quoting. Uh, they would be saying stuff like, I don't know who killed him, but I'm glad he's gone. That type of thing. Nice. Uh, this was played 169 times uh, from officially August 28th, 1965, though... This song was actually played on July 24th, 1965, which was during the Newport Folk Festival, Mm -hmm. uh, the day before Bob Dylan went electric. So he was at a workshop for songs, because that's what they did. And Bob Dylan, of course, was there workshopping some songs. And we we don't actually have any recordings of that or anything, except for one German television station caught, while some other weirdos are talking, caught Bob Dylan in the background playing this song. It was only five days until it was recorded for the record, so he was clearly had this on his mind. It was uh, putting it out there, but not as an electric song, which is weird, because then when he went electric famously, uh, he played Like a Rolling Stone. He played Maggie's Farm, but did not play this song, which might be the most rollicking, crazy song, because Maggie's Farm is pretty slow, and Like a Rolling Stone is definitely has a plotting nature to it, but... This song is fucking fire. Uh, of course it's famous in our podcast uh because Nicanor Parra, who passed away last year, said that Bob Dylan in, t- in the year 2000 deserved the po- the Nobel Prize specifically for the chorus of this song, which is Mama's in the factory she ain't got no shoes, Daddy's in the alley, he's looking Daddy's in the
1: Well, that's a point of contention. Where is Daddy? Where's Mama? Where is Bob Dylan?
0: Anyways, a kid is in the alley with the Tombstone Blues. Uh it can be translated into Spanish if you were to like write it out. As the father's in the factory, he does not have shoes. The mother's in the alley looking for food. I am in the kitchen with the blues of the cemeteries. <laughs> so very dark, and especially with Latin America's uh, you know, 20th century, uh, it's a pretty bleak, bleak song. And I, for that sort of depiction of regular people, um, I think that's what Para was getting at. And uh, he alone said at the time that he should get the Nobel and it turns out he did 17 years later uh, of course this song is also on I'm Not There which uh, if you can go you can go back and listen to our supplemental number five from God last year this time uh, and we have it on our playlist too with Richie Havens and Marcus Carl Franklin who plays Woody Guthrie in the movie it's on that crazy. as well
2: well John the Baptist the the beat looks up at his hero the commander in they tell me great hero but please make it Is there a for me to Mama's in the she ain't got no
0: All right so let's let's touch on the songs just a little bit uh, the versions that we listen to let's just start with Highway 61 uh, Mike Bloomfield Uh, obviously is wiling out on this. Uh, Speaking of the music years later, he said, quote, there was no concept. No one knew what they wanted to play. No one knew what the music was supposed to sound like other than Bob. Hmm. So it's really interesting. And you get a little bit of it on the cutting edge where even Bob says, you got to chill a little bit. Like you're, you're going, you're soloing over where the verse is supposed to start. So it's really interesting that they didn't really know what they were doing. And it's really cool that Bloomfield just like steps up and it's just like bringing that Chicago blues like crazy and Dylan's like yes that's what I need so it's it's fascinating if somebody else was there this song probably would not exist and and that's always a really interesting thing because we think of Bob Dylan as a genius and he's putting all this together but I think the musicians that he works with are just as key to what he's able to put out in the world than anything
1: else yeah I think this song is a uh, standout because it's like this weird controlled chaos. Like it's a cacophony of sounds, but for some reason it all works together. Uh, the stereo split on the Highway 61 mix, it really helps accentuate the instruments. Like the the bass and the piano are in the left ear and uh, the drums and the organ are in the right. You have Bob right down the center channel along with that uh, Bloomfield, Mike Bloomfield's guitar. Yeah. Uh, the bass to me was really interesting because I couldn't pin it like at points it sounds like a standing bass but then there's this cool fuzz factor on it that makes it sound like a barry sax almost It'd like, mm. like what True. is that sound so i mean i think it's just an effect on the bass uh but that was really neat it had a lot of layers of sound to it um i think that that obviously the guitar is the standout the, the careening fucking guitar sound but um you know bob really it's great. His vocal performance on this is really interesting, Goodness. and it's another one of those ones where he's he's speaking so quickly that you really have to pay attention, and mm-hmm. you you want to know what he's saying, even if it sometimes I don't know what any of it means. True, <laughs> um, and the, the acoustic guitar is all over the place. So, uh, kind of just to throw unplugged out there, it's kind of hard to know what he's doing when he's playing on the unplugged. It's, it's here too, and I think the only way that I can describe it is that the acoustic guitar, because it's not really you can't ever really hear what it's doing you can't hear any chord progressions you can't really hear but all you hear is that strumming so i feel like they treated the acoustic guitar in this on the album version kind of like a percussive instrument almost like they just wanted that jangle sound of the strings on the board more than they cared what the notes were
0: and it's the beat you just kind of keep rolling with it and bob because those drums are so
1: persistent Mm. and loud and in your face that i i I wonder if that's what it was more than anything else Mm. like it doesn't really matter what notes you're playing just make that sound if you could which is really cool uh, because that's not how you would normally treat a guitar, so I thought that was neat um and it's obvious the, the guitar is playing is really inconsistent, but it's just about making that sound, so who cares um yeah, one or two chords, I think through the whole thing, which you could tell tell on unplugged, he barely moves his hands at all. he does until he gets down, which
0: is really interesting, yeah,
1: yeah, and I think that the uh tempo is fucking crazy because it always I can't even describe it because it sounds too fast like they're they're not gonna make it It, it, i don't know it's like (laughs) it's like watching a train about to hit a car you're like they're not gonna get there no one's gonna be able to keep up or but like it works and i don't know how they do that where it's just like right on the edge of everyone's too fast like he's not gonna make it i don't know it's very cool
0: But I think even listening to The Cutting Edge, uh, that version, uh, what is it, the uh, take 11, the breakdown take, is nuts. Because it it does go off the edge. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not that they play so close, it's that they played and they played over the edge. And they had to pull themselves back from the edge. But they didn't pull themselves back in a really conservative way. They were just like, all right, we went just a little too far. Let's barely bring it back. But let's stay on the edge. And that's cool. Cutting edge, if you will. Ah. Yes, but I appreciate that because they could have they could have gone to take one, which is a very stripped, a different toned down, song. different song. I do which is not like, I don't know if I liked it either. I find it really interesting that the song. I guess we'll just pivot to cutting edge here. Sure. I, I found it interesting. Obviously, some of the lyrics are changed, but most of the structure is completely intact. Like this is another. This is a cool example of Bob Dylan um, having a distinct idea in the studio, and he was just going to play it. Regardless of what it was, he needed this to exist in the world. And that was really cool to see. There's no... uh, Because even with Sooner or Later, One of Us Must Know, that went through a
1: lot of versions. Mm -hmm. He
0: didn't even have a chorus, really. He's, like, created. He kept working on it. This one was done. It just needed to be fine-tuned.
1: I almost couldn't recognize it, though, on that that first take where it's kind of just plotting down a scale. I mean, it is there. The Mm -hmm. bones are there, but, like what a different sounding song, especially when you don't have all those extra layers on top of it. When you don't have all that noise going on around it, it's just like isolating the, the idea and then being able to hear it in this slow way. Yeah. I don't think it would have been as an effective song for sure.
0: I think this goes back to what we said last time though. And and I think we're going to keep proving it again and again and again, is that Bob Dylan builds his songs off of a waltz, maybe not Mm -hmm. a waltz waltz, but like just a slow Existence skeletal structure And when he brings it to the band They can start to play And bring themselves to it And I think that was another great one
2: The city fathers They are planning to endorse The reincarnation Of Paul Revere's horse But the town has no need To be nervous
0: the the very next take was like a false start where bob's like hey can you get all of us singing we have this great idea like they're clearly like on drugs oh yeah oh joe that sounds like a great idea you know know? just what to do you know just what to do this is gonna be great (laughs) uh so like the fact that like they just play the song once and they're like well it's kind of we i get it let's do these little things and bob's like yeah
2: do you think you can do anything on this what do you mean we might have background on
0: the chorus you know Voices you mean? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure, whatever you want. Do you make it? Yeah. It's really, I love, just throughout the entire thing, Bob Johnston, I think, also understands that this song is really cool because he's like, keeps encouraging them. He's like, uh, don't play it. Feel, feel it. it. Uh, really get that groove going. I, I really enjoy that and bob dylan how many times now have we listened to these and he's like i don't know how many more times i can <laughs> sing this yeah. i can't sing so loud mm-hmm. well, i'm such a cry baby <laughs> and then he's just like let me just burn it down and like bring the fire so i think that's all bluster from him but bob does a great our bob johnson does a great job of like really corralling this and uh, allowing it to be slower and faster and sort of yeah getting them exactly where they needed to go it's cool to see a producer you don't often know what a producer does but like it's cool to think of him being there and sort of keeping everyone on track.
1: Yeah. And having a good producer is key when you're making an album because you, I mean, I think that creators, you, you get so inside of the thing Mm -hmm. that you can't, think of another idea like playing with other musicians i think is really beneficial to bob but also having a producer to be like no try it another way i know you don't want to but try it another way and that sometimes ends up being the the best cut and then just the opinions about how things should be mixed and sequenced is it can be really uh change the shape of an album even sequencing i mean i think that uh slater kinney's p- producer on dig me out who also did uh nirvana's um i think bleached or something like that that Having the idea of like, you got to put your first three songs like they have to be bangers and you have to really like, I don't know, it's just those little ideas that maybe you wouldn't think of because what does it matter? I'm just making the songs Mm -hmm. can really change, put an album as like greatest of all time for sure. Just being another album I think
0: it also the sequencing is really important, too, because it it does harken to specific time periods because like playing your three songs as bangers Mm -hmm. is certainly like something the 90s did. I think today it's really, it's keeping like an even flow almost to a detriment, honestly. Every Bob Dylan album in the last 20 years has been the same, which is up-tempo, slow, up-tempo, slow whatever you just kind of accept it but i think that those go through fads too yeah probably. Like, i don't know if people do that now because i think some other people were like i don't want to put my single number one so we're going to bury it i mean i've right? seen albums yeah. with like this is the number one song of the year number 17 on the album like <laughs> what it was like you really think people are going 17 tracks deep just, just, just for that skip. we could skip it <laughs> yeah. on the cd do you know what cd technology is uh, it's not vinyl anymore my friend we're not like right. finding out a needle where to put it uh, of course take nine on the cutting edge is also also on the bootleg series volume seven
1: yeah when that started i was like i'm pretty sure this is the version that's on our playlist which yeah. is yeah
0: yeah exactly so that's on our, our playlist because it's actually there it's not available on the cutting edge on spotify because it's a 16 disc record uh which cannot all be on spotify unfortunately but i hope one day that it
1: all is it's like the first appearance of the, the background vocals uh, yeah, totally. harmonies, which is such a cool thing and i wonder why they didn't uh go with that in the end i'm glad they didn't I am and I'm, I'm not I, I like how it sounds it's cool they kind of sound like a train whistle at some points Um, but I, I don't uh, think
0: about I it though so you better. a lot of times when this argument comes up I say think about it in the terms of a record that you have never heard but you have heard
1: mm-hmm. Highway
0: 61 Revisited this would have been the only case on the record With where there's Beck other Googles. people yeah that's true and so I think taking them off and just having Bob really uniforms I do have a question for you though. That um from August fourth, nineteen sixty five, the harmonica overdub?
1: Well, so I think what it was is they were throwing around the idea of using the harmonica. So they just had Bob play something and they put it over. So all the overdubs I assuming are legitimately like the here's the one track of everybody playing the song, Sans Bob's vocals, Sans Vocals at all. Or and then this time they're like, Well, let's try to put this harmonica piece on top of it and see what it sounds like. Like, Whoa, that's awful.
2: the kitchen where the
0: They could have done it. Hmm. Like Bob could have come in and really played over Bloomfield, but I'm glad again they were, they checked their impulses and they were like, no. Yeah, there's so much going on already. Flex. Yeah, we're going to let that happen. So it's really fun to listen to, but I will I, I have no idea what is even happening.
2: John is about to step to torturing his beast. Looks at his hero, the commander-in-chief. Tell me, great hero, but please make it reach. Is there a hole for me to get sick in? What a poor man of anti-fantasy.
0: Unfortunately, listen to the real live version. Someday we're gonna get real live as just a concept. The whole thing we're gonna have to like fucking album. listen to. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh 1984. Famously we started with Tangled Up and Blue. That was our first real mm-hmm. live experience. I think that's I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I enjoy that version. That's the only real live song that I like. Yeah. Just because right? he changes all the lyrics. This, not very great.
1: So this, it was interesting for them to be like, what if we were ZZ Top? Like, what would ZZ Top do with this song? Let's do that. Because I mean, that's 100% what the vibe feels real like Real talk, real talk.
0: How many ZZ Top songs have you actually heard in your life?
1: You mean other than the one? I don't even know the one. <laughs> Sharp Dressed Man is like the only one. The I probably have
0: heard it, but I don't know it.
1: Don't they also do the song Heavy Metal? Maybe
0: not. I don't know what song that is. Yeah, Sharp well, Dressed Man is all I got. ZZ Top. That is just a fixture for the beards. <laughs> I know nothing about that band at all.
1: I mean, iconic though. You know who I, they are. I just know who they are. Oh, yeah. I
0: assume one of their names is ZZ. I don't know. Which one's the top? I don't know.
1: Oh, phrasing. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know why. The, it's just like this weird bopping. It feels so mechanical. Like everyone, mm. all that, that fire and electricity that the, out, the 60s version has, where it feels so improvisational. It feels like we're just holding it together because there's so much energy in yes. this room. This is like... We fed fed this song into ZZ Top Robots, and then this is what they came out with, because there's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's just, like, this weird, and no shade to anybody that I'm about to offend, but this very much sounded, like, I could see the people that were, at the time, in their 50s, listening to this and really enjoying it. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing wrong being in your 50s. When you were in the when the 80s were happening, I just like I don't know, it, it gave me that like Jimmy Buffett crowd kind of vibe. Like I could see adults at the time being into it. I don't know. What's
0: really interesting is that I think you're conflating time at this point because like people in the 80s listening to this were not 50. They were not like my if my parents were there they would have been 24 years old. Oh, no, I know. I know. Uh, But like, this is is who it would have
1: appealed to. Like, that's the audience that gets conjured Uh, in my mind out of time. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Because
0: I'm trying to think like, yeah, but it's weird to think of your parents being there because you like respect their tastes in that they listen to Bob Dylan, but then they also were alive at this moment where this crap was happening (laughs) and they're complicit as much as anyone else in buying these tickets. And it's weird. Yeah, it's weird because yeah, it appeals more to them now being old, fuddy duddies right right, right. but like wow they really channeled their inner fuddy duddy and we're like listen in 30 years this shit's gonna be great (laughs) but we're just gonna play it like this right now
1: yeah just like who who bought tickets to this show because people who liked bob dylan in the 60s and want to hear that song are disappointed uh people who are ZZ top fans might like it but they wouldn't know to go to bob dylan's show for that
0: i would say right like i would say here the uh, one instance uh live aid 1985 was the last time Bob Dylan was a headliner for an international event. There's a reason for that. (laughs) Real Live is 1984. I don't think that anybody was like, I'm not going to go to Bob Dylan the way that we think about it now. I want to go see Bob Dylan, but I don't understand what he's saying <laughs> all the time. So I'm going to go ahead and say no. That is something that is a legitimate critique right. because you're there either to see a legend or you're there to listen to music. In which case, listen to the records. But 1984, people were definitely still Bob Dylan's great. This is and the band is not horrible. It's definitely they're they're talented they're musicians they're, they're talented. doing with it, but they're there's doing just no,
1: like Right. And style. so I think
0: that's where nineteen eighty five hits and everyone's like, Yeah, we're gonna go with Prince and Madonna, we're gonna leave Bob Dylan in the past. He never releases another live album. He will never have another live album, let's be honest. Uh so so yeah, and then of course we listened to Unplugged, we watched Unplugged. We did. I seemingly have the DVD for Unplugged, and uh we watched uh Tombstone Blues. We did. Which is not part of the uh the actual broadcast from M T V The official Version. We got to watch Bob Dylan come out. It was Bob Dylan on guitar, Bucky Baxter on that pedal, uh, the pedal steel guitar, uh, and the electric slide guitar. Uh, he's the guy in the turtleneck, sadly, off in the corner, possibly smoking. <laughs> we can't tell. Uh, John Jackson is the one sitting next to him playing guitar. Uh, Brendan O'Brien is the one on the keyboards in the back, who I think is wearing a velvet coat. Tony Garnier is on the bass, looking like a badass. Um suit's a little big. All Other their suits, suits are big, are a little big. And then, of course, Winston Watson, boom, killing it on the drums and percussion, hits a triangle at one point. One we can't see it. No. Not on the TV screen because we're focused on Bob Dylan and his weird sequenced suit. It had like little roses. Yeah, I think it might have in... just been
1: like an impression or impression. maybe even like embroidered on there. I don't really know. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, uh, and Bob just
0: wearing those sunglasses the whole time. He There's a moment you. he turns around to look at uh, to look at Winston. And like <laughs> just he did yeah. And Winston just like refuses to make eye contact, and uh, as you should, as you should, because you can't let Bob at this point. He's an old man, and you can't let him dictate the terms that you guys have practiced so hard for. You can't just have him be like, "We're going for another ten minutes." No, if you don't make eye contact, he will just do the song slink back to and play the song like he's supposed to. <laughs> so they did a really good job uh, controlling Bob Dylan, the the, the beast.
1: They uh, took out six verses. Yeah. Six. That's a lot of. They do the same with out.
0: Desolation Row. I mean, they, yeah. that's a, they
1: cut that out, and that makes sense. But like to make it not a whole lot shorter, and to you know, obviously this is a more like country fried version. It almost sounds like a polka to me at, at points, mm-hmm. which goes back to your waltz thing. Yeah, um, and yeah, it just made me feel like we were at a, a hoedown for a minute. I, I certainly don't prefer it over the uh, the album version. No, but
0: I mean, but I think it does speak to if we, wanna, if we want to if we want to get into the lyrics. I think that speaks to. Um, something very important, which is that just like with Desolation Row, which is a song written literally after this, also on Unplugged and has verses missing, they don't seem to matter that much for the enjoyment or understanding of the song itself. Uh, From Clinton Highland, he says, quote, Tombstone Blues represents the formal unveiling of what would become the stock scenario for the mid-period Dylan Electric song, or as Paul Cable put it, the typical melee of totally unrelated events involving totally unrelated weirdo characters.
1: That is 100% accurate. What a hell of a quote. Uh,
0: I don't think that this is random garbage. I don't think that this doesn't make sense, but I think that this is uh, a look into Bob Dylan's mind. It's him straining to use metaphor, uh, art, uh, things from his past, things that he's read, uh, as sort of this like weird looking glass. Through which to look at American society, culture, the moment uh, in history.
2: I'm already in Beethoven, on a wrap, the bedroom. To the place, now we resume in the flagpole. And the National Bank get a it, Says road maps to the zoo. The little folks home. And the college.
0: I wish I could write to you. So to go back to Paul Cable's quote, if you will, uh, through Highland, he he talks about the weirdo characters. And just like Desolation Row, which we'll talk about later, this is a song full of characters that I think he uses to appropriate events, feelings, emotions, uh, popular culture at large, all kinds of stuff. So we've got Paul Revere's horse, where Paul Revere is, I don't know, the Ghost of Bell Star, Jezebel the Nun. Which of course is flipping what who would what a Jezebel is and she's the nun, which clever. Uh Jack the Ripper, John the Baptist, President, Commander in Chief. Uh Gypsy Davy, who we've talked about before on When to See the Gypsy, obviously mm-hmm. Woody Guthrie and all that. Uh Pedro, slave Pedro, if you if you will. Uh Galileo, Delilah, Brother Bill, more Bills. Cecil B. DeMille, Ma Rainey, and Beethoven. We're all I counted, so he uses all of those to great effect. Some of them are following tuba players around the flagpole. Some are uh, the head of the national bank, and the you know others are selling roadmaps for souls. It's or of course the president is screaming the sun's not yellow; it's chicken.
1: That's President Lyndon B. Johnson. That's
0: President Lyndon B. Lyndon Baines Johnson. Correct.
1: Baines.
0: So, what do you think about all the characters? I mean, what? I don't know if getting into every single verse is something that we're going to do because we're definitely not going to do that. But what did you... What were your thoughts on that kind of uh, the insanity?
1: Well, I looked up... I I knew some of the people were people and not just characters. Um, So I I looked up the ones I wasn't familiar with. Bell Star was a famous outlaw that reigned... That she was a horse thief and Hmm. uh, she was murdered and it's an unsolved mystery to this day. Shit. Um,
0: Seven curses expanding the <laughs>
1: basically. And We know that Bob Dylan has a penchant for Loves old it. Westy stuff. Loves it. Um, and then the other one I wasn't sure. I mean, I'd heard Cecil B. DeMille before, but he was—he's considered like the the father of the modern cinema. Mm-hmm. He made like a billion, like seventy movies from nineteen fourteen to something. Yeah.
0: Um, Ma Rainey, of course, is the jazz
1: uh, old blue jazz mm-hmm. blues jazz singer. Um, one of the first out uh, of recorded actually. Yeah. Like nineteen twenties. Really, really old. Um,
0: I've never heard of Beethoven I don't know who Yeah I don't is. know who that
1: is but everybody else I, I kind of knew I mean unless because Gypsy Davey is not like a specific person I don't believe Well and I right? think we
0: brought up some of this stuff on our episode because even thinking about Pedro and stuff like the slave Pedro that's based on like literature writ large so mm-hmm. he's sort of taking uh, those ideas and sort of implying obviously aspects of American history that are very prevalent with slavery and sort of Popping it into modern times and popping it in directly in the middle of the civil rights movement, so it's like those are loaded phrases and loaded ideas that are being put to the test in the song, and I think to wild success.
1: I mean, yeah, it's all just metaphor for contemporary events. So at least the latter half of the song, the the first couple of verses about the woman, the, like the Bell Star and the Jezebel, and all that stuff, and everybody's mm-hmm. in bed. I don't. I think that's just like a cool little. Poemy part like I'm just writing some stuff
0: again Bob Dylan sitting on a park bench yeah. yeah I mean this is this is a classic park
1: bench song yeah I mean it has to be because each I mean the two verses because he you does know, like two verses in the chorus two verses in the chorus I think the two verses are related to each mm-hmm. other both times obviously well, but then. the
0: man or chief thing is definitely a Vietnam type right. reference you know where, can you tell me where a hole for me to go and get sick in it's yeah I mean how much more clear can you get yeah, even though Vietnam true. didn't ramp up until after this song Bob Dylan was definitely feeling something, obviously, with God on our side and like moving into this. Mm. He he understood where it was going. And yeah, that prophetic.
1: one's super easy because it's just like American power and overreach and bravado mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. Yes. But then we go back to the Cecil B. Cecil, Cecil B. DeMille, Cecil B. DeMille stuff DeMille. in Galileo. Delilah is a biblical character, Delia. right? Samson and Delilah. That's yep. a thing. Yep.
0: Delilah betrayed Samson by telling the Philistines that his long hair was the source of his great strength, which they cut off.
1: Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't really know who Bill is, but hey. I don't think bills. Brother Bill
0: actually is a person. <laughs> so I, I put him on there just because he is a character, but right. I don't think Brother Bill is a thing. But well, maybe he is. Maybe it's something I just don't know.
1: Don't worry about it. I was dreaming about Bill's. What do you think those verses, are, are they representative of anything or is that another?
0: Delilah and Brother Bill? Park bench thing, yeah. Oh, I
1: think it's just a park bench thing.
0: Gotcha. I mean, because even with John the Baptist and I mean, Jack the Ripper, I think it's I think a lot of it too is irony. It's playing Jezebel. What is a Jezebel? It's so, a
1: uh, a prostitute, a, pro- a, a biblical prostitute, woman, right? And then
0: she's the nun, right? Jack <laughs> right. Rickbur um, sits As at the head of the counselor. Chamber of right. Commerce. Like, it's interesting. John the Baptist obviously gets his head,
1: but it's interesting. In some of the versions, he says John the blacksmith,
0: John the blacksmith. Which, which again, I think goes to the point that Bob knew what he wanted to do but these things don't actually matter. Right. Like as much as we want to like put a lot of emphasis on who they are and what they could mean, it could have been John the Blacksmith and just that really said. fucks up all of your interpretations, right? It could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. Like some of these characters could have just been swapped out. Galileo could have been Pedro. Right. Galileo could have and the vice versa. Slave Galileo. I mean, we would ascribe meaning to that even though it makes no sense.
1: Yeah, these His lyrics when they're like this where it really points out how you've mentioned before where people want to ascribe whatever they want to to a song because he's a genius and he can do no wrong and everything means something and nothing is inconsequential and there's just a puzzle. It's a puzzle. Everyone's a puzzle and we can figure it out and it's time and time again and it's like this is not the case. But I've never felt like that. I never felt like because I don't know anything about him. Yeah. So I never felt like. I needed to justify every little choice he made because I'm so into this dude that if it's not a hundred percent right or meaningful or mm-hmm. whatever you want to say, then, then it feels bad. <laughs> like I feel lesser for it somehow. Yeah.
0: I think that's definitely a, a, a condition that people have in Bob Dylan. Yeah. It's really hard to accept some of the unsaltier aspects of his life. Um, and yeah, I think that, That this song is just a work of fiction. I find it kind of fascinating sometimes reading people who love Bob Dylan don't seem to ever interact with any other art of any kind. It's like Bob Dylan is the only thing uh, that they have. And Bob Dylan's an amazing introduction to the world at large of books and music and all kinds of stuff. But if he's the only thing... You're doing it wrong. Yeah. And Bob would say you're doing it wrong. What is your problem? And honestly, if you feel like that, if you feel like you're so bogged down bogged down in Bob Dylan, I would say go listen to Theme Time Radio Hour. You can listen oh, to yeah. it for free online. You can not only have your Bob Dylan fix and the best kind of Bob Dylan, which is just him riffing on a radio station, but you get to listen to fucking amazing music mm-hmm. with it. And you can start to build on oh, what well, Bob Dylan is building. I wish I could write
2: Melody so plain that could hold you dear lady, from going insane that could ease you and cool you and cease the pain of your useless and pointless knowledge
0: I think that's a rebuke of the entire song we just listened to, all this useless and ridiculous information and knowledge. I wish I could just write you a simple song that would just make you forget about everything at large but yet the world is large the world is chaotic the world is crazy so I'm sorry I can't do that because this all this shit you're thinking of it's fucking real man it might be useless it might be ridiculous why are there tuba players going around and where did Ma Rainey and Beethoven come out from the grave but like it's just knowledge it's just mm. weird knowledge
1: I mean it all like to his credit there's some fucking cool lines in here I mean the verse awesome right before lines. that the roadmaps for the whole- soul. You know, so flies home. National the Bank. It's mm-hmm. like that's great. It's awesome because you know you got to pay to get into heaven. And like yes. it's fantastic.
0: Oh, and that's why. Like again, we could we could go verse by verse, mm-hmm. and you can break down all of those. And we've done a few of them here. You can do it for every one of them. I oh mean, yeah. You can really. That's why he's a great writer because. The vagueness of it, the, the the artistry of it, the subtleties, the metaphors, you bring Brother Bill to life. You bring Ma Rainey and Beethoven, two very different people, two very different genders, two very different races, two very different times, two very different types of music, both together with the tuba players around the flagpole. I mean, that's it. Th- that speaks to unity. That speaks to the the connectiveness of music. I mean, you can just do this with every
1: line. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's what makes him brilliant.
1: Well, that's. I'm glad you brought up the last verse because it does seem so disparate to do Oh, ones. it totally is. And I think that's a really great way to frame the song that I did not think about, which like, is just oops, like, "Oops, sorry about this. Look, song. I'm really sorry that I just did a bunch cocaine and talk to you for like six hours. I just, I like you. Does yeah. And, okay. and, and now I'm going
0: to, I'm going to play my next song on highway 61. That's uh, it takes a lot. takes a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry. <laughs> I mean, one of the most beautiful Bob Dylan <laughs> verses ever. He's almost. I mean, seriously, it's almost saying, "I wish I could write you a melody so plain that could hold you, dear lady, from going." You know, all of that is literally the next song on the record. It's so pretty. It's so beautiful. It does exactly what he he it, almost with that song apologizing for the existence of Tombstone Blues. I love it. Mm. What a genius. <laughs>
1: i wonder if that was intentional um the melody so plain is that a line from something else that seems so melody so i that
0: mean may... maybe just it's
1: probably me... from a fucking cecil
0: b demille movie just a random line motherfucker yeah, loves movies he's watched movies before
1: it makes me think of that song from babe but it's not that song like
0: he definitely has seen babe i mean cecil b demille probably best... directed babe
1: that came out in the 90s <laughs> definitely not
0: Ma Rainey scored it <laughs> she,
1: she did I'd sing yeah I don't know why morning, I think of that song if I had words to make a day true. for you nothing about a melody I'd sing you a morning golden and true she's like I would make this gift or day last for all, all time. time and t- sing then you a night deep in moonshine yeah nothing about a melody huh I don't know deep in moon <laughs> does this
0: song work in 2018 <laughs>
2: If I had words to make a day for you, I'd give you a morning golden and
1: true. Uh, I think so. I mean... I- all of his stuff has a dated feel to it, but I can't ever put my finger on what it is. It could just be the nature of how we record music now, and which so, we talked about before. Like, this is live.
0: Cutting Edge really brings that to light. Mm-hmm. Every, time, every time we do this, it's, it's crazy to think that uh, this was such a bootleg for so long and now we just have simple access to literally the creation of these seminal moments that for 50 years, nobody really knew how they were made. And now we get to see the sausage. And I I love that. But yeah, I think that really does make these songs very different Mm -hmm. from how they are if you just got them plain to see nothing here's a song it's really cool to see how it's made and you're right i think that does shade how we think about things
1: so i have a hard time putting it in a context of today like if this song just popped up on my new releases how would i feel about it and i can't do that objectively yet and i don't really know how to get into that mindset maybe i should just put a Mm -hmm. random song like make a playlist of songs that I like. Throw a Bob Dylan song on there that are like contemporary songs, uh, not a contemporary Bob Dylan song, but contemporary songs. With, and then put that in there and see. But it's never gonna because music all has this kind of vibe to it now. Yeah. That oh, this that's is what I, I was kind of going that. with.
0: I, I was thinking that this is absolutely still essential because a lot of a lot of music today um, does the thing that Bob Dylan was doing, which is like disparate verses. I mean, mm-hmm. hip hop a lot yeah. of a lot of that is just we're just kind of riffing. We're just kind of going. And oh, yeah. I think the disparateness of the verses where you're not telling a narrative song is very popular.
1: Well, having characters that are kind of out of time to begin with help that too and, and keeping it vague. Like, Commander-in-Chief is literally anyone who ha- could has been president or is president currently, so that's not giving you a specific time. And Ma Rainey's, had already been dead and, like, Beethoven's gone from a hundred years ago, Galileo, like biblical, like all that stuff is, is just as relevant then as it was now. So that keeps it from being stale that way. So
0: well, and and even to bring Bob Dylan in 2006, I mean, he's still doing that stuff. If people say, Oh, he's just taking classics or whatever. The dude has immortalized Alicia Keys on thunder on the mountain. So Alicia Keys is an official lyric of Bob Dylan. That's pretty great. And it's amazing because Alicia has definitely fallen off the super pop culture radar, but she's, I looked, it up just a few months ago when i listened to thunder on the mountain again and she's still making music and it's fantastic i certainly don't listen to it unfortunately but when we get i mean we're gonna i we're gonna we're gonna listen to alicia keys okay. when we get thunder on the mountain for sure because i would love to get deeper into her because she's amazing
1: oh yeah she's got a beautiful voice and yeah. she's a great pianist
0: and bob loves her yeah, well i mean who knew <laughs> i also think that this is a great song because of the last verse i i as somebody who has a degree in something that i'm not working in I am a huge believer in education for education's sake, and for somebody learning stuff and reading stuff and consuming it the way Bob Dylan is, and sort of uh, refracting it through text and art and uh, you know popular movements and film and whatever you want to do, there that is the stuff of of, of legends. And I, I think that the person of this song that has all of this in their head. It's not, even if the next song on the record is almost like the the cooling and the ceasing uh, of the pain, the pain doesn't go away. And so the mind is still making those connections. And I think it's just, we're seeing Bob Dylan in 1965 make the connections, but you're right. Donald Trump is a person. Donald Trump is the chicken. Donald Trump is the piece of shit in this song, just like Lyndon Baines Johnson telling people to go off to war and die in a hole is the piece of shit in that song, and that's Unfortunately, is the stuff that doesn't change. And hopefully someday this will be put off in a museum and those people won't exist anymore and that's not a thing. And oh, look how, how much folly we used to have. But very much, unfortunately. I think still connects deeply today. Yeah. All right, Kelly. We were also people in the world this week. Before we get to our recommendations that we do every single week about what we were listening to while we were also listening to this song, we've got a bangin' playlist spotify very importantly i just want to announce that you can actually listen to us on spotify so we've had a lot of people um already subscribing and following the channel which is really awesome but if you don't know and you listen to spotify all the time as kelly and i do you can not only follow our playlist simply by searching the song title pop an sotw at the end or pop the episode number you're gonna find us um we've done a lot of testing Uh, So you can definitely find all of our playlists. You can also find them at SOTWpod.com. But if you want to listen to us, you can actually follow us on Spotify. So I highly recommend doing that. You'll never miss an episode. And soon, hopefully, they'll start pushing to your phone when we update. But obviously, every Monday is when we do our episodes.
1: Yeah, the podcast mechanics or interface or whatever you want to say, it's not 100% up to par, especially if you're considering like Apple Podcasts. but it, its I think a lot of people that I know personally use Spotify to listen to podcasts, so it's really cool that we have ours on there now. So if that's more convenient for you, please check us out. Please check follow it out. Follow us on uh, Spotify. Be great. Yeah,
0: and then follow us also on Twitter, SOTW pod, everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, we update all of those things. So so please come in and do that. And while you're listening to Tombstone Blues... Listen to our playlist. Not only do we have uh, the real live versions, the uh, bootleg series volume seven version, we also have Richie Havens off of the I'm Not There soundtrack, mm-hmm. and he does play that in the movie, as we mentioned. All of those are buttressed throughout. And in between, we throw in some, some old favorites and some brand new stuff, including stuff we've never heard of in our entire lives. So welcome back to the playlist against me. Still <laughs> our most popular <laughs> episode, uh, period. Uh, Billy Holiday, mm-hmm. Justin Towns Earl. La dispute, new album coming 2019. Jackson C. Frank. I mean, you can't get away from that. That will be on That's every a, blues on our song. playlist
1: before, right? Oh, welcome okay. back for sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: TV on the Radio and the Doors. Mm-hmm. That Jackson C. Frank song will be on every blues everything from it's now to the so end. So good is one of the most beautiful songs. Does You'll Dave Van
1: Ronk cover that? I feel like I don't possibly. Know. I just want him to sing me everything. When are we gonna do Dave Van Ronk month?
0: Yeah. Soon. <laughs> Soon we're s- we're just getting over Band Month. That's true.
1: That's right. Yeah. I'm so sorry.
0: Welcome to the playlist: Moby, Cotton Jones, The Head and the Heart, Fleet Foxes, The Wonder Years, C6 Steve.
1: Yeah, C6 Steve. <laughs> that
0: was pretty great. Joe Strummer, lil A.K. And I'm gonna include Richie Havens here. We're gonna do some more Richie mm-hmm. Havens because he is an influence on on Dylan later, but. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think I've talked about this before. Famously, when I was 13, Mm. I had bought these seven albums that were tangentially related to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) Uh, I can only remember Michelle Branch, uh, Melanie Doan, Sneaker Pimps, Becoming X. And also at the time, which is not related to Buffy, uh, I bought that Moby album, Play. Mm. And so it was cool to listen to Natural Blues again because I've not listened to that album in forever. That's really fun. Very nostalgic. Yeah, the the album's pretty disparate. He does a lot of, I mean, not gonna electronic. It. It's not, but the um the big song he had, Southside, yeah. with guy' Stefani was on it. Yes. here we are now going to. Mm-hmm. Th- yeah, that's that's what I'm Yeah,
0: that was a, he. Moby was a thing. He was, and, and that was the height right and, there. And now he's a joke on Community.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> he's a joke Which on a lot of things. I like would they. love
0: to be a joke on Community he's for his worth.
1: He's pretty recognizable too. He's got that like Michael stipey face, and he's got like, the bald head, headphones, and, yeah
0: that's true uh fantastic playlist highly recommend it kelly what were you also doing this week beyond the playlist that you would recommend for people out there again we only have two more recommendations left. i
1: know so cake uh, is definitely coming out with a new album soon their single um sinking ship is available now and it was good um this is our first song and seven new song in seven years which is wow. i've been just like going to their page every once in a while like oh it's still showroom of compassion okay 2011 okay cool um and of course, they're on tour right now. And uh wow. I found out about their show at the fucking Doug Fur, which uh, is amazing. Yeah. Sold out, I'm sure, before I even before I could even look to where yeah, mm-hmm. there's no I never had a chance. No. <laughs> so
0: Well so uh, many uh Thursday just announced the tour coming to Doug so Fir. There's so many bands. It's gonna be gone in four seconds. In fact, it was last week that they put up the tickets and I forgot yep. to even look. Let's get uh, to see uh, cursive the cursive went out, yeah.
1: Damn. Yeah. Yeah, we were really, twenty nineteen. It's not got to be up better about shows. Not fuck up as much. Uh, but it would be so cool to see them at Doug for it because it's I would multi-new. love to see them. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've only seen them once and it was at an outdoor venue, so it's like in yeah. Bend. But that was amazing. They put on such a great show. I really love Cake. So their new single is great. Um, It's not that they haven't done slightly political stuff before, but they're usually talking about events in the far past or, I mean, at least not contemporary events. I think this is pretty obviously commentary on um not only America's current state, but just like the globe is dying and, yeah. you know, we're on a sinking ship. That's the refrain and. Uh, he's, the tours that, that they're on right now They've been doing benefit shows Like um, they just did one in October for Beto O'Rourke um, oh, yeah. And the one that and, uh, They're doing at Doug fur is to benefit Doctors Without Borders So they're doing cool shit You say we
2: are one You say we are To get out. Instead, you said give
1: and uh, the Greeting Committee, who is a band that I, the they have a, The Greeting Committee, sorry, Greeting Committee, uh, they had a song called Elise that I ended up on one of my playlists long. A long, long time ago, but they just had like a couple of tracks. They didn't have like a full LP. But their first full length LP came out uh, a couple weeks ago. It's really good. It's kind of like Hop Along, but less intense. And the songwriting's not quite there. Yeah. Um, like the lyrics aren't as interesting as Hop Along's are. I know they do some weird shit. They're just they telling do. interesting stories. Um, but it, it's catchy and it's a little uh, mellow. I don't know. It's really nice. It just they take a little bit of uh, gospel stuff, but it's definitely that kind of Hop Along vibe where it's indie pop kind of yeah it's good so greeting committee check that out the band the album's called this is it sweet
0: sweet oh that's the same as the strokes
1: or was it is that is is this it is this it this is this is
0: it this This that was is this it no it this is (laughs) it all right so there's so listen to strokes and then listen to the greeting committee and be confused and be confused and then listen to Cake. yes and then also listen to Touche amore they released a live album their first live album 10 years and 1,000 shows at the Regent Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, I saw them in 2009 before they're parting the sea between Brightness and me. And they're absolutely incredible. And I saw them in 2013 again when they came with me without you. And they were incredible again. And God, the show is really cool. It's really awesome, and they play with Self Defense Family and they play with Law Dispute, who show up for the 1,000 show. They timed it perfect that their 1,000 show was on their 10-year anniversary of their first show, huh. and they played it at the Regent Theater in L.A. So it's a really cool show because that's their hometown, so they're playing home as well. And it's a true live album, which we've stated many times on this podcast is the way to go. All right, Kelly, we are at the end of our penultimate episode where we get to pick our final song of 2018.
1: That seems like a lot of pressure.
0: It's kind of incredible. I can't believe we've made it all the way through. I wonder how many songs we have left.
1: I bet we could find out.
0: I already know. It's 436 (laughs) songs left. So, Kelly, this is the part where we we pick from those 436 songs. You can see our um, spreadsheet at our website, newly redesigned, SOTWpod.com. And you can just click on spreadsheet. It'll take you right to uh, the available songs that we have left. Um, obviously, if we have another song out, the, the, the numbers could be changed, but you get the gist <laughs> of it. Uh, currently, we have 436 songs left. Kelly, one out of 436. What's your guess?
1: For the last time. For the last time. This year 397.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Going to random.org and I'm putting in one through 436. You couldn't be more. This might be the furthest off you've ever been. Uh, I doubt it. It's number 20. <laughs> okay. So you're you're pretty goddamn off. Uh, 397 would have been. Ooh. And keep in mind, this is our last song of the year. <laughs> Thanks. We could have gone to Shot of Love. Back to Lenny Bruce's dead times. This would have been our first Evangelical Bob song since, God, episode 37, I think, was Lenny Bruce. Ooh, we haven't touched the 80s. Beyond... We'll never forget Empire Burlesque as a cautionary tale, if for nothing else. But we have not done any Christian songs this whole year, and we're not doing it. Heart of Mine, not not included in 2018. No, Kellyanne said number 20. We are going to back to O oh Mercy. This is our fourth O oh Mercy song. There's only 10 songs on the record. <laughs> we're in season two. What the fuck? I love this song. It's called Shooting Star. What a great way to end. It's a very beautiful song. Uh, number 20, shooting star, Oh Mercy, next week. You going to be here? Black yeah, house? I think so, yeah. It's going to be December. It's going to be cold. Yeah. Wear a jacket. <laughs> be safe out there, folks. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye. Listen to the engine.
2: Listen to the bell. As the last fire truck from hell goes rolling by. Oh, good me The last temptation, the last account. Last time you hear the sermon on the mount, the last radio is played.